The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Shiel Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. And it's the Thursday 10 10 questions. It's Dallas week, baby. We'll talk about what the film showed against the Cardinals, but then we got to dive into that matchup against the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night. I've got some nonsense to mix in as usual. And of course, we'll finish with our game predictions, which we're doing pretty good straight up, uh, Benny Souls, against the spread with our Eagles picks. Uh, not so great. It's been tough It's so always far. when you're too close to a team that it becomes tough to bet yes. them. You're just too granular. You need to step away. Uh, when you think Dallas week, what do you think? I'm curious in this answer. Uh, I was just actually asked this uh, earlier today on my WIP hit for my favorite uh, Eagles-Cowboys memory, and I go back to my youth. I don't uh, I, I actually don't remember the exact year, but uh, it was when they stopped Emmett Smith twice uh, at Veteran Stadium. I was at the game with my dad in Section 609. That was the one game we went to every year. He had a friend from work who had Eagles season tickets and for some reason would give him the Cowboys game every year. So that Is was that like it? my uh, introduction. So we were sitting up there and of course, Merrill Reese with that. They stopped him again. That is my uh, my memory. Why, why do you have one in, in mind for yourself? Yes, because I, I think like legitimately one of my favorite plays of football in all time forever is growing up when I grew up, I idolized Brian Dawkins. Uh, I was the son of a, a, a Steelers uh, fan. My dad's a Steelers fan. And so we hated the Cowboys in my house. Like if Eagles could lose, Steelers could lose. My mom's a Jets fan. Jets could lose. As long as the Cowboys <laughs> lost, it was an okay day. Uh, yeah. And so like doubt, like that was when I had the most like whole family rooting for one thing. And when Dawkins stripped Mary and Barber inside the 10, that like, that'll be, that'll always be the first play I think of in the 44 to 16 when I think Dallas week is I just think of, of, of Dawkins and that style of play and that turnover. And like, it was already a blowout, but it made it like even more embarrassing and worse of a blowout. Just mm, what a good time. What, what, what a time I, I I'll always think of 44 to six. It's a good one. And it's a good point because we could be entering like a fun little stretch here of Eagles Cowboys games. You know, I don't know who's going to be, whether Mike McCarthy's going to stick around, but just Dak Prescott, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and then the guys we've been talking about with the Eagles all year. It feels like there could be, you know, a fun maybe three-year stretch here uh, of these Eagles Cowboys games. So we'll, of course, get into that matchup. But let's start out with the film against the Cardinals. We're going to keep it pretty uh, short and sweet, I think, with these. You looked at Mm -hmm. the offensive performance for the Eagles against the Cardinals. What stood out to you maybe that was similar or different to what we talked about in the postgame pod? Uh, I do think upon review, it was the worst game that Hurts has played so far this season. I don't think it was a a bad game. Uh, This is definitely the game which he looked the most uh, skittish, uncomfortable, uh, moving around in the pocket a lot, eyes dropping down quick. The lack of deep throws, I think, uh, speaks to that. There's also a 
play caller level aspect of this where it's like, okay, Hertz didn't feel comfortable throwing down the field. They weren't throwing down the field. He was uncomfortable in the pocket. We talk a lot about getting quarterbacks into a rhythm. They never really got him into a rhythm as a thrower. The first drive they came out was screen, 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 right? Like they obviously had some of the scramble drills and whatever, but they never got to a spot where like he was in the pocket, throwing the ball vertical, even throwing the ball to like the short middle areas of the field, just anywhere that was like not the flats. They never got him into that space. So then you get to like the third quarter and the Cardinals are dialing up tons of pressure. Cardinals are coming with with crazy blitzes for the entire second half and Hurts is just out of the pocket, eyes down, want to scramble, want to get out, taking a sack, taking a hit, moving around, and, and just never, never, never felt steadied. So I thought that this was his worst game in that regard, but it was not a game that made me panic. It was not a game where I was like, oh, he's bad now. It was just, okay, Cardinals really, really dialed it up on him. I think that we, I think if I'm a defensive coordinator preparing for the Eagles, at this point, I've seen enough of Jalen Hurts to know, okay, we're blitzing this guy. We're, we're, if we're going to get him to make a mistake, we got to dial it. Uh, if we're going to get them behind the sticks too with the way they run the ball, we got we, we got to bring it on on early downs too. The Cardinals were like mostly on third downs, but you got to bring it on early downs and really see if you can if you can actually get a sack on this guy, get a throw away, put the Eagles behind the sticks because they're so good right now in early downs, staying ahead of the sticks. Uh, so I think that just blitz is something that Hurts still is uncomfortable with. He's so good against pressure, but he's not good against blitz. Um, and they never got steady in that in that downfield passing game, and so. The worst Hurts game, an uncomfortable Hurts game, but also Eagles weren't terrible on offense and they got the win. And so yeah. you feel okay with that being the worst Hurts game so far this season. Yeah, I, I looked at it as a, I, I think you're right about the blitzing. I mean, it was evident in this game that priority number one for the offense was we're not going to let like, let the blitz crush us. We're not going to let the blitz force us into turnovers and a bunch of sacks where we're just a disaster. But really, there were I felt like they had one solution to that, and that was just throwing a screen to the perimeter. I mean, they threw 14, and this is true media PFF charting, so it'll vary by sight and what people consider a screen. But by their charting, 14 screens in this game, by far the most of any quarterback in a game this season. No other quarterback had thrown more than nine screens in a single game this year. Now, he was 13 for 14 on those throws. He averaged about five and a half yards per attempt. And that's what right. it kind of felt like, right? I mean, every time the Cardinals were just, you know, uh, uh, mugging the A-gaps or showing a pressure look, you could see they're just like, okay, we're going to check. We have one check. And, you know, and, and really I thought what I said after the game, I thought that watching the film, that there were times in this game where the Cardinals were like, okay, we know what they're going to do when we do this. I mean, there was a play. It looked like J.J. Watt was basically standing up and pointing to the perimeter, no that they yeah, were going to throw well, a screen yeah. and they actually threw it to the other side but uh still that stood out to me even some of the, i thought the numbers on the screens could have been worse because the cardinals missed some tackles where they had a guy who knew exactly what was coming went up and they made a guy miss and so the numbers could have looked even worse so i want to see the eagles have more answers uh against the blitz that's fine that's a part of it what they were doing in that game but you want to become one of these teams that it's not just hey we're going to gain six yards when you blitz us you want to make teams have to think twice on a tuesday or a monday when they're putting together their game plan shoot if we screw up some of these man they're going to kill us downfield like you do against the great quarterbacks in the nfl so that was something i thought that really stood out to me uh uh, in this game, and it'll be interesting. We'll talk about the Cowboys matchup. The Cowboys have not been a heavy blitz team percentage-wise. Yes. They haven't had to, but we'll see uh, what they do in this game. A couple other things. I, I thought you made a good point about the offensive performance. When I was looking at the numbers, it was a top 10 performance in terms of EPA per drive among all teams in week five. So it kind of speaks to the, as Jalen Hurts would say, right. the standard is the standard or, or Mike Tomlin that you have a game where you're like, oh, it didn't look that great. And then in just terms of efficiency and what you brought up after the game that they only had eight tries, they score on four of them. Like if you just look at it statistically, uh, they were, you know, moving the football. They had the highest success rate of any team in week five. So again, it was a lot of dinking and dunking, but a lot right. of positive plays don't put ourselves in a bad spot there uh that really stood out to me also did you have uh anything else on the offense that stood out no i think right that's that's the overall point which is okay it wasn't great it wasn't the way they really want to play and also they were fine so talented right. team and how you get by it yeah the other thing with with you know okay early on we're throwing screens because we have the looks now they're not really giving us the looks we're gonna throw more screens is it's it's kind of similar to the RPO concern, right? And like you brought up, they threw more screens this week than any one team has this year. Yeah, last week against the last week against the Jaguars, it was they ran more read option than any one team has this year, right? Yeah. They're very comfortable getting to a really simple idea, and it doesn't matter if that idea is like behind the line of scrimmage in the case of screens and saying 
we're just going to out execute you on this for a while, right? And and that is overall a good thing. Uh, coaches should become more comfortable with like, hey, we're going to do X until you stop X. NFL coaches tend to feel like that's cheesing. You know, you got to beat them the yeah. old fashioned way. And it's like, no, no, if they can't. If your screens <laughs> yeah. are going to get you five and a half yards a pop, you throw some screens. We're chilling. Um, but once you get to that second <clears> half and the Cardinals start keying in on stuff and they're rotating safeties down into the screens, uh, you now are in a position where you're no longer doing it from a numbers advantage. You're saying we can out execute you, right? There, there was a tackle for loss on a Devontae Smith screen where Quez Watkins is trying to block it, assuming Smith is going to come to the ball and get underneath him. Devontae doesn't. He tries to go over the top, and then Quez is yelling at Devontae after the play, go behind me, go behind me. Like, you know, the, the execution's wrong. It's tough Kelsey to Kelsey, too. I, th- I think, I think yeah. they felt like they had a big play there. If he, I don't know yes. what he's supposed to do, what the coaching point is there. But, yeah, watching live, I'm like, oh, Quez missed the block. But it did look like if Devontae came inside right. of Quez there, that maybe they had a chance at a big because play. Most, sorry, go ahead. A lot of the wide receiver screens they were running, they were running into the boundary, right? The, num- the slot receiver, the innermost receiver, works to the boundary, works to the outside. He gets the ball, and then he follows the wide receiver blocks. On this screen, the slot and then the line, which they didn't do much in this game, the line's coming out to block at the second level. They want that receiver to come towards the ball, catch it moving towards the quarterback, and then get yes. behind the line and run up field. So, but th- this is your, your salient point. Execution is hard. It is hard to execute yeah. every player for all of time. Like I just saw Joe Burrow quote in the timeline. Talk about play calling all you want. We got to execute. It's hard to execute. The other guys are good. So when you get to that moment of who's going to execute better, you like for it to be on throws downfield, runs into advantageous boxes, right? When, when you're when you're in the execution battle on a screen three yards behind the line of scrimmage, it's like, okay, yeah. even if you execute, what do you get from this, right? And so it's the upside. there's... Yeah, so there's there, it's good news that the Eagles feel like, all right, we have an advantage here with read options against the Jaguars, screens against the Cardinals. We're going to throw them. But you do always have to police, okay, is what we're relying on simply not valuable enough to risk the execution game? Where, okay, if the Cardinals get a stop here, we're in second and 13. As opposed to like, oh, if we don't execute correctly on like zone, we're probably in second and eight. You know, and there's, there's kind of like a difference there in, in terms of what's worth and what isn't. So it's something to police. But overall, again, like, not the best offensive performance, the worst Jalen Hurts game, and 20 points and a win. So, first world problems over here. Yeah, l- l- last two things I had on the offense. One is that third, last third down play, which we talked about after the game. I came away feeling sort of better about it. I mean, they were it was a zero blitz. It was man coverage. And Jalen Thompson is on Dallas Goddard. He peels away from him and makes the play on Quez Watkins. I, I think you had said after the game that, you know, like that was almost a touchdown. And watching live, I was like, uh, well, I don't know. It, it didn't really look like that. You you were right. I mean, if he doesn't peel away, I think that is a touchdown. I thought it was a really yeah. good throw by uh, Jalen Hurts. So that one, I didn't have, uh, you know, it looked really sloppy, I feel like, watching live. But then watching the film, it was like, all right, give credit to the uh, defender there for sure. And then A.J. Brown, I got to say, I, I went into starting to watch the film going, all right, let's see what happened here. And I came away not having a great answer. I mean, we talked about it. They threw 14 screens in this game. Those aren't Jalen Hurts going through three progressions and seeing, oh, is there a safety over top A.J. Brown? I'm not going to throw it there. Those are called for a specific player. And like, did A.J. AJ Brown didn't even get one? Did he get any of those screens? I don't think he got he a was, single he, screen. In- no, he ran a couple screen routes and then like they didn't throw it to his side which, okay, like whatever. Yeah. And then the other thing that's weird about it is in 13 personnel, right, three tight ends, one back, their receiver is Devontae. It's not AJ, which I don't really understand. That's number one. Number two is on some of these screens, like we brought up Quez and, and debating with Devontae about the blocks. Why is Quez Watkins, who is 180 pounds, blocking when AJ yeah. Brown is much bigger. Uh, so the AJ participation in the screen game and in the 13 personnel game was both surprising to me. Don't yeah. have a opinion on why exactly it happened, but it was, and it's something to monitor. Yeah, I agree. Something to keep an eye on, at least, because it it was uh, it was a little weird. He played 53 out of 70 snaps. Um, whether it's in, in minor injury things, something else, we'll see. But something to keep an eye on for this week. All right. Number two, I just wanted to get a temperature check on the offense. How are you feeling after five five games? I was trying to come up with a good way to do this. I guess what 98.6 is the perfect temp, you know, not not perfect, but you know, that that's what the (laughs) the temperature you want to see on the thermometer. I think, uh, you know, for kids generally, 
I get a little concerned if it's 101, but you don't get real concerned unless it's like 102. So 102 is like, all right, at least call yeah, call the doctor and just see if there's anything we should do here. This so, is such a convoluted, uh, <laughs> convoluted way of doing like a scale of one to 10. Yeah. So temperature <laughs> checks. So available if to us already. If you're feeling great, 98.6. If you're feeling horrible, I guess you're going like 103. Where are you with the temperature check? Offense. 99.9. You know. Oh, 0.9. Okay. I don't know, Sheila. I don't know what the scale is. (laughs) You you sound like someone who's never used a thermometer before. Listen. It's not that. 25-year-old male. All right. The last time I took my temperature, I was like 13. And I won't be taking a child's temperature for another 10 years. This is, I am I am at the valley of temperature. That's some good information. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, Meredith, my wife's not listening to this. So I can come up with any year number I want. Neither my mom as well. Regardless, uh, my sensation with the offense, independent of this weird temperature scale we're currently dealing with, is I am kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, I talked about this before when I kind of talk, wrote about them for the ringer, you start to realize a lot of the similar offenses like the Ravens and the Cardinals of the last couple of years have moved away from the model the Eagles are currently using. This was, I think the worst Jalen Hurts game. He does seem antsy. These last two weeks have been uncomfortable in the pocket, antsy sort of weeks. So I do think that the Eagles offense is going to, at some point in the season, get noticeably worse, not below average, but there's going to be a market step down in their efficacy. And then I'm curious what happens after that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's a lot of reasons to believe in this coaching staff's ability to, to uh, adjust through that. They made adjustments in the middle of last year. They're doing a great job adjusting in-game this year. Like they have a lot of my faith. So I feel okay. But there's a second chapter and hopefully a third chapter and a fourth chapter in the evolution of this offense we haven't seen yet. So right now I feel good. But I kind of think I know where the pressure points are. And I expect eventually defenses to start to really challenge those. And then I'm curious to see what happens next. I will go... 99.3. I think I think I feel good. They're sixth in EPA per drive. They're fifth in success rate. We saw a ceiling in that Vikings game that they haven't reached since, but we know it exists where previously I did not know that that ceiling existed with the quarterback. Uh, I thought this last game, it's on my radar that again, like I said, I felt like there was some predictability there. It was a vanilla game plan. I thought the Cardinals had a little bit of a bead on what they're doing. I'll tell you what, this weekend is a measuring stick game for the offense. If they come out and they cook that Cowboys uh, defense, then, you know, I'm hitting you with a 98.6 for this bad boy uh, going forward because I I do believe uh, in that defense, which, of course, we'll get to in a minute. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about the Eagles' defensive performance. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, There was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, we're back. Question number three. What stood out on film from the Eagles' defensive performance against the Cardinals? Big fella. Big old 90. Yeah, your boy. Yeah. Woo! Good. Best, player, best defensive Davis. player in the game? I think so. For the Eagles? Yeah, I'll give it to him. Why not? Yeah, why wouldn't yeah, I? Absolutely. I'm trying yeah, to best think defensive who else. player in the game. 
Yeah. Uh, Cardinals were, were thin up front. He was dealing with Sean Harlow at center. You don't get Sean Harlow every week in the NFL, so you should look good against your Sean Harlow. Sorry to Sean Harlow. Uh, but Davis was 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 bullying the center for four quarters. When he was getting down box from the guards, he was winning those. Didn't lose to any double teams. I mean, when they were in their five down front stuff, they were just kicking butt. They were kicking tail and taking names, man, which is really, really important for Dallas because they're going to have to be in that look for a lot. Uh, uh, it was important to get... I think he had 27 snaps, Davis, which was a career high. That was important because I think he's going to have to be in the 25 to 30 snap range again for this upcoming game against the Cowboys. Uh, so they were in their 5-1, 5-2 stuff, and they were looking really, really good in that. And a lot of that has to do with Davis in the interior. Um, so good there. When they went to the bullpen at defensive line and they went to the second stringers, holy smokes, that was bad. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, it was and ugly. That, yeah, and that goes back to what we have talked about with this defensive line rotation right now whether by choice or by virtue of Davis's conditioning or by virtue of Davis's, you know, pad level and like his issues there and whatever. The Eagles do not play him in even fronts, period. He has not taken a snap that is not at nose tackle directly opposite the center, odd front stuff. So when the Eagles are in their four down fronts and the Cardinals were spreading the field out, they're trying to get them in their four down stuff. And the Eagles are in that front. They play Fletch and they play Javon Hargrave. And then when it's time to rotate, Marlon Tui, Pelotu, and Milton Williams come in. Jordan Davis does not come in. He is not part of the rotation in four down. And then Marlon Tui, Pelotu got double teamed into Kingdom Come. Uh, and that's something the Eagles have to police. You might, if, if teams have figured out, like, all right, by the time we get to the third, fourth drive, you start giving us 95 and 93 in your four down stuff, we're just going to do that that's that's let's get let's get there like obviously yeah we don't want to only be scoring once your second team defensive line comes in but that's a big advantage to us because not only are 91 and 93 not on the field but 90 isn't as well or 91 and 97 excuse me javon hargrave yeah. but 90 isn't as well and we can run the football up the middle so that's something to, that the eagles still have to figure out um but their, their five down front stuff was great and that's where they're going to continue to live on early downs and get there on first and 10 get into advantageous setups and then they run their their blitz package stuff which i thought was good as well the other thing from the defense that stands out is what we talked about on the postgame show. Uh, you got late into the game. The Cardinals started spreading it out, going unbalanced, four strong formations, motioning guys out, and there were communication issues, and they didn't really know how to respond to that. Uh, tough, to, tough to solve on the sideline between drives, easier to solve over the course of a week. So that's a, all right, one-week problem. Yeah, they got you. They caught you with their pants around your ankles. Two-week problem, we got an issue. So figure that out before Kellen Moore and, and the Cowboys start to hammer it. Yeah, Davis was fantastic just to echo what you said, you know, easily his best game uh, of the year, which is flashing time and again with real kind of like that preseason game level uh, of play that you saw. So that was really exciting. I think after you know, it was a week one or week two where it was like uh, I said it, you know, hey, Tui Pelotu is playing better than him. All right. yeah. That was a long that feels like a long time ago now because I was with you. I thought Tui Pelotu and Milton Williams. I don't know if there's an injury there. I mean, I don't remember a play this year where I've written down, all right, Milton Williams, you know, did, did something good here. And he was good, really good last year. Like somebody who you thought might make the leap this year. So I'm with you. I mean, if I'm an opposing offense and you're in a game where Tui Pelotu and Milton Williams are the defensive tackles and I have a good offensive line, I'm feeling pretty good about running uh, at those guys. So that was something that really stood out to me in this game. Uh, they weren't prepared for the tempo. I think that's something we didn't hit on in yeah, the post game, yeah, yeah, but that, that, re that really uh, got to them and it's kind of disappointing. Like, come on, this is, you know, it's like yeah. that. There's that, only that, a few that, teams in the league will go hurry up on you and the Cardinals are one of them. Yeah. So that, uh, I mean, you could see it on film. Guys aren't even lined up by the time the ball is being snapped or defensive linemen are not even in their stances. So the Cardinals definitely caught them with that, uh, just the voids in the zone coverages, like you mentioned, I mean, you know, you, you can just tell or, or if Slay is playing really off on that side, it felt like there were some easy completions to his side. And then just in the middle of the field, you're seeing these huge voids, which we did not see earlier in this season when they were playing, when, when we were complimenting uh, the defense there. I hate to come across as sort of a... Uh, non-believer in the Eagles defense I another week but no, my gosh I just coming across as a non-believer listen about? I just I just watched and I felt like the Cardinals left a lot of plays on the field I mean mm -hmm. I can't I just take notes and at the end I look at the notes and you know there's the one where Kyler's bur uh, blaming Zach Ertz for not having his head around 
whatever, someone's at fault for that, but that's a big completion they left on the field. Uh, Kyler Murray yeah. had A.J. Green in the end zone, uh, where he's, th- I forget who he threw to, on the left side there at the end of the first half. I mean, that's one that certainly you play it out 10 times. That could be a touchdown. He misses Ertz on the corner route on the last drive. I mean, that was wide open. The, the Eagles completely cut him loose with their coverages there. There was no one near Zacherts, and Murray misses the throw there. Marquise Brown, the drop you mentioned. Oh my God, I think you're right. I think he probably scores Six. on that drop on the RPO where they target, you know, TJ Edwards is in no man's land. If Marquise Brown catches that, there's no one there. If he catches it in stride and takes off, that's a touchdown. Uh, I'm curious to hear if I had the right read on this or what you thought. The Chauncey Gardner Johnson interception, I thought was just a terrible, th- I don't know if you looked at that one closely yeah. or not. I just thought that was a bad throw by mm-hmm. Kyler Murray where Gardner Johnson kind of takes the cheese a little bit on what was underneath. And it's like, uh, yeah. I don't know what the landmark is there on the post, but man, if that falls out in front a little bit, I don't know if it gets completed. It might. I, I thought Slay was trailing a little bit, but uh, Gardner Johnson was not, as they say, you know, in zone as deep as the deepest, certainly right. on that play. Yeah. He kind of benefited and came down with the pick. Yeah, I'm starting to get the sense that Gannon doesn't teach deep as the deepest. I'm starting to get because that at this point, whenever the Eagles have a single deep safety, he's very rarely on top of the post. He's very rarely yeah. capping it. Like if it's Epps or Gardner Johnson, which leads me to believe that they kind of have like a here's the area of the field the ball can probably get to within the time the quarterback's going to be able to withstand our pass rush, and this is the area we care about. And then if you're deeper than that, you're on you're on your own, which is tricky because it's Darius Slade chasing Marquise Brown across the, the middle of the field. There's kind of a risk management yeah. thing there. There's also a chance that it's license, right? Like you have Chauncey in that spot, and you say, okay, read the quarterback's intentions, right? Because Kyler is like, is a gun three-step on that drop, right? He's not like you know, under center play action, seven step drop all the way to the back of the pocket. What you would expect from like, all right, we're going for the big post. We're going for the giant throw. Uh, he's, he's a little bit more quick in than that because there's crossers underneath. And so there's a chance that you're giving your license to your deep middle safety and saying, okay, you read the quarterback's intentions. And if the shoulder's up, like if he's about to throw and the post is going deeper than you, you go you hit the crosser. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're, we're going to let you kind of freelance yeah. a little bit. Regardless, the overarching theory of defensive football works here, which is, okay, if you want to throw a downfield developing route, we're going to mess up the pocket. The longer you're in there, the more likely it is that we can disrupt you. And the Eagles disrupt Murray enough with his arm angle and, and how he has to step into the release that the ball dies in the air, and then it's an interception. So, yay, win for team defense. But also, yeah, the, the Eagles' deep middle safety tends to not care as much about the post as like if this was our <laughs> Gus Bradley team, yeah. that guy would care about one it's thing and it's the post. About. Yeah. Posts and um, seams. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, um, no, that, that, that's very, very true on that, that play. You kind of are like, all right, good result. Process is interesting. Right. You know, we're, we're figuring it out. Um, to that point though. Yeah. The, the Darius Slay cushion is a big thing. Uh, if, if there, it's very hard to wave a magic wand and fix something in one week, right? Oftentimes, it's like, oh, you got to fix this. And it's like, you know, okay, it takes some time. If there's a magic wand fix for the Eagles right now, defensively, it's, hey, when you're in cover three, just get on the line. Like, they keep playing them off because they want to represent quarters, right? Like, oh, we want to look like we might be running quarters right now. They put them, like, I, I, I don't, don't tip your hand. Absolutely keep some of the confusion. And like, yes, I know you're worried about Marquise Brown's speed. You don't want to get beat one on one in the vertical route. You get them up on the line. It's Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They're big boys. You know, these, yeah. these are adults. You, you can put them on the line of scrimmage. They can be able to handle themselves. They're going to get reroutes. They're going to get disruption. They're going to throw off timing. Um, but the free access five-yard stuff, like when you're playing Too quarters, easy. when you're playing quarters, that's part of the world. That's part of what you're accepting. When you're cover three stuff, get on the freaking line. Like let, let you, it, it's, it's time yeah. to hit somebody a little bit. I agree. All right. Number four, temperature check. On the defense, how you feeling after five games? Now, now when you do buy, if you need it, you should have a thermometer in the house, Ben. I mean, you never know, you know, what's going to hit. And now you don't have to do the old school ones. Actually, I don't know if this is old school for you. Before, you had to put it under the tongue. Now they got the ear ones. I mean, we got the ear ones. There's That's this what I had forehead in like elementary one. school growing up, was to get the ear uh, ones. Oh, see? Oh, you're young, yeah. yeah. So get the, get the ear one. Now, the forehead one, I feel like is a sham, especially, you know, when and if you have kids down the line. I mean, you got to jam that bad boy on the forehead and then do this like move to the side. It's not pleasant for anybody. I don't know why anyone would do that. Well, did, did uh, your did your grandma ever do like to touch your forehead and tell you what your temperature thing is? Oh, of course. Yeah, my yeah, wife right, still exactly. does that. I I, I, have, yeah, I t- can't do that. 
No, see, to me, like, when it's, like, under the tongue or in the ear, I'm like, guys, just touch your forehead and then come up with a magical number and then mutter You're something in school. Russian. That's how you take people's temperature. Like, that's that's, that's the method. This is all the science like of hokum. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next time my daughter's sick, I will do that and I will <laughs> mutter something in Russian and we will see how it goes. I'll have to learn something in Russian. All right. They're fifth in EPA per drive. They're fifth in success rate. How are you feeling about the defense after five games? I'm trying to remember how temperature is. He's really 98.6 yeah. is, is yeah, yeah. like, I would say they're the best defense in the NFL. 100 and a bit. A skosh over 100. Okay. 100.2, um, let's say. Yeah. They are uh, fast. They're aggressive tackling. They believe in the system. Like the, the philosophy change from last year into this year is very, very clear in terms of like, they no longer feel like we have to be bend, not breaks. We don't have the personnel. We don't have the horses, whatever. They have their guys. They're more aggressive. Like there was the drive where you had like a great James Bradbury tackle downhill and then a great Johnson Gardner Johnson tackle downhill. And they're forcing those to the flats and they're hitting guys. Like it makes sense. They have to continue to figure out their front stuff because they're predictable in their fronts and you, when you get them in four down you can run it on them and like all the stuff we've been talking about and they got to figure out some of the, their, their coverage stuff as well when they're in their zone stuff they're still having miscommunications so there are still issues they, this um this style of defensive play is very conditional on having a coordinator who's really really good at figuring out what the opposing team's going to do and then pressing the right buttons because you're, you're meant to be deceptive you're meant to trick guys into something so you have to be able to predict their move and get three moves ahead it's not you know Gus Bradley, line it up and play. You know, our horse is better than yours. It's not Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph. Hey, we 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 sow chaos. We're just here to cause problems, right? Chaos. This is you know, this is very like we want to be in the right spot a lot, and you have to have a good coordinator. And I I'm more impressed with Gannon this year than I was. I'm still not a far cry, but a decent cry away from saying like, yeah, Gannon's got his thumb on the pulse in in a, in a level that really you know has me believing in this defense. So this upcoming week win like this is not a good offense you're facing over time you know there's, there's going to be more tests and kind of see how they continue to, to bear those out 17 points against the cardinals though nothing to sneeze at it's a good day in the office you, you know what's funny about I, I was looking at the schedule and thinking the same thing i was like all right this is a huge test for the offense this week yes we're going to learn a lot about them all right and then the defense and then i'm looking at the schedule oh cooper rush davis mills kenny pickett Carson Wentz, like they're going to be able to beat up on some of these teams where, you know, I might be annoying some of you listeners for a while saying, well, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure about them. I'm putting them at a 100.9 where we don't yeah. have to call the doctor. You know, you want, you want some Gatorade? You don't yeah, call you the doctor at 101? I feel like that's a lot. Well, well, 101 is no kind of the, fevers it, it's 102. 102 is the one where you definitely call the doctor. Uh, we have medical people in the family, so I can, you know, text a sister if it's like 101.3. 100.9, I don't like, we probably aren't, don't even need to do that. But it's like, let's keep an eye on this. We'll take it again in a couple hours. We'll see where we are. Let's not take any medicine because we want to see if it's going to rise on its own. We won't, don't want to break it. We want to see if we're dealing with something here. That's kind of where I am. I don't fully trust them. And if you want to say, Shield, that's not fair. I think that's reasonable. I'm just telling you as I watch them every week, there's something inside of me that says, let's, I'm still going to be a little hesitant. I thought the Vikings game was outstanding. Yeah. I thought the Jaguars game was fluky because of the weather. The commander's offense stinks. They got lit up in week one against the Lions. And I wasn't that impressed with the film against the Cardinals, even though, like you said, 17 points is nothing mm-hmm. to sneeze at. So I see a, a unit that's better than last year. I see one that's adjusted, that's made improvements. I would call them... I feel more confident saying they're like slightly above average than I do. They're saying, saying right. they're like a top eight defense. So uh, maybe I need to grade on a curve more. I don't know. We're not really going to find out with some of these quarterbacks that they face over the next five games. You will find out if they falter against those quarterbacks, but if they beat them up, then you're just going to kind of be like, all right, well, you're kind of supposed to beat some of the, some of them up. So it'll be exactly, sort of the, extent, yeah. the extent to which you play. Yeah. And that's the thing about like, we've, we've been clear on this messaging from week one. I'm I'm interested in how they perform against playoff caliber units, right? This yeah. this this team is talented. Like, take quarterback out of it. This team is talented enough that they should make the playoffs. At the time, I was like, the division's bad enough. <laughs> Division might be a little better than we thought, <laughs> but generally, like NFC conference is bad enough. They should be a playoff team. So I'm interested in how you perform against playoff units, and so that's why like against the Cardinals, it's okay. Held them to 17, but. There are definitely points left on the board. Jaguars, who in my opinion have like a playoff caliber offense, a playoff caliber defense. Weather had a lot to do with how they performed on the defensive side of the ball. You know, there are mitigating factors here such that, yeah, defensively they've been good. They look good on advanced metrics. 
Uh, they're not going to get tested by Dallas, by week Houston, Pittsburgh, Washington. But there are still questions that you have about how this defense is going to perform against playoff caliber teams. And that's one of the disadvantages of having such an easy schedule as the Eagles do, is you kind of walk into week 18, week 19 and go, oh, this is definitely the best offense yeah. we've faced in a while. You know, and you have to make sure you're up to snuff. They'll get the Packers, you know, and they'll get they'll get the Dak led Cowboys. Again, these are not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson level uh, offenses, but you know, still you you will learn in those games. But yeah, it might be a small sample. All right, let's get to the matchup. Question number five. Let's start with the Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense. What are we watching for, Benjamin Solak? Yeah, so we're watching for the health and play of this line relative to the Cowboys front. Uh, a quick feather in the cap for the opponent. You have to do it. Dan Quinn, defense coordinator of the Cowboys, who's a cover three Seattle merchant going back to his days as the head coach at Atlanta. And he gets fired there. He tried some different stuff, can never really get it off the ground. Gets the DC job in Dallas last season, playing a ton of man. Just Trevon Diggs and Jordan Lewis just lined up and just going one-to-one, toe-to-toe with guys and playing great, great football. And then you're like, all right, isn't Dan Quinn a little bit of an evolution? Awesome. This year, they're rolling out the wackiest stuff. Holy smokes, we're on Tampa 2 nonsense. They've got safety spinning around. This is a full-on evolution from Dan Quinn. Kudos to him. One of yeah. the uh, uh, arms of that evolution, one of the arcs, has been that while previously, Quinn was a pretty staunch, hey, I need a big one tech need some space i need a, a heavy five tech right uh, michael bennett you know 270 pound defensive end defend the run four down they're all going to play one gap penetration this cowboys front twists they stunt they game they spin dudes right they got michael parsons flying around the freaking field demarcus lawrence on stunts always been incredible they are a very very game heavy front so cardinals blitz the eagles a few times right not so much games but a lot of blitzes and in those blitzes you have defensive linemen changing gaps and interchanging you have spikes and twists and tight tackling games or whatever and the the jack driscoll sua pet aside of the line did not have a fun day with that that was that was a difficult thing we talked about this a little bit in the post game show when the uh, eagles also went max protect right they keep the back end to protect and the cardinals are sending extra guys you had some miscommunications kenny gainwell not picking up anybody multiple free rushers the eagles struggle with this the Cowboys aren't going to give you as much six-man, seven-man stuff. They will do it on third downs, having seen what the Eagles did on film against the Cardinals. I would be surprised, especially if the backups are still in, if they did not. But on base downs, they will spike the front, slant the front, twist somebody. They are going to challenge your communication, challenge your levels along the offensive line. Injury report for the Eagles on Wednesday. Jordan Mailata shoulder, limited participant in practice. Isaac Samalo, ankle, limited participant in practice. Jason Kelsey, ankle, limited participation in practice. Landon Dickerson, ankle, limited participation in practice. So that's four of the starting five. Good news, <laughs> all participated in some way. Bad news, still on the injury report. Uh, the degree to which the Eagles have their line healthy at, in terms of who plays and also at what percentage they're playing, are you at 80% versus 85%, 90%, so on and so forth, is really, really critical for this game. Because you would you want against these these four down fronts, right? They're only going to rush four. You want to get five in the concept. You want to get your guys into the flats. You want to get enough bodies against the zone coverage, against man coverage if somebody's open. You don't want to have to keep six in to block four. Defense is winning. And if they're banged up, they're going to have to. Because the Cowboys can win on you extremely quick. DeMarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons are the big name. But like Dorrance Armstrong from the interior is playing really, really great ball this year. They are deep up front so you have a a this is strength against strength eagles offensive line dallas defensive line it might yeah. be the best front against the best front in the league if the eagles line is actually playing and it looks like they have a chance to get all those guys back but something to monitor over the course of the week yeah they're the, the cowboys are third in epa per drive second in success rate they have not allowed more than 19 points in a game which like in 2022 is almost unheard of to go five straight games without allowing more than 19 points and they face the bucks they face the bengals they face the rams i'm not saying any of those offenses are what they were uh last year or previously but still you're going up against brady burrow and stafford to do it every single time is impressive and what you said at the coverages about the coverages really stood out when i was prepping it's for nuts, this man game 
I mean, they're, they're playing the second highest percentage of cover two in the entire NFL. Cover two, cover three, cover one. I mean, that's what you're going to see uh, from this defense. I was looking at uh, Hertz's start last year. Now, this was, I believe, week three. So it was a totally different Eagles team. And I went back to my notes from that game and I wrote run game. This, I guess, you know, maybe I'm flexing a little bit. I mean, anyone could have seen this. Every fan knew this, but run game could be really good with Hertz. Huge disappointment. That was in, in week three of last year. And then I said, didn't see a whole lot to help Hertz in that game. Uh, if you just look at it statistically, that game was his fourth worst start of the last two years. And Looking back on it, it's just, yeah, it's a totally different team, totally different offense. That was Nick Sirianni's third game as a head coach. But you nailed it. I mean, they'll line up Lawrence and Parsons on the same side and run those stunts. So the communication, how you handle it. I mean, listen, they're going to get you sometimes. Uh, they're, they're just, especially Parsons, like he's too good. He's heard from every game. He's at like an Aaron Donald level in my mind. We're just, you're probably not going to get through a game without hearing uh, Micah Parsons wreck a game or wreck two games. So uh, we'll see what the Eagles do to combat that. The, the Cowboys have blitzed 22% of the time. That ranks 22nd. So as we said, they're going to be rushing a lot with four, not rushing a lot with uh, with six or seven. Uh, here my th- here, here's what I'm thinking about some, some stuff with their game plan against that Cowboys defense. Wondering if you agree or disagree. I think certainly the run game and the screens to slow them down a little bit. Just say, hey, you better be thinking about this. You better be mm-hmm, thinking about this. Mm-hmm, Those things are mm-hmm. part of the Eagles game. Eagles, you know, game plan every week anyway, but I think definitely lean on those early on stuff to slow down their pass rush. And then I think you have to take some shots downfield because yeah, Trayvon Diggs is a really good player. Their corners are good, but they will get gashed on some explosive plays. Even last week against the Rams, we saw the Rams hit on a couple, I think 50 plus yard plays. And so it can't just mm-hmm. be, Hey, we're afraid of the, the pressure, throw a screen outside. Like there has to be situations where you say, let's just take a shot and see if our guys are better than their guys. Yeah. So screens are a must. Eagles been getting ready for this game all year, baby. We're, we're a big screen team in this game. Uh, Cowboys overall team pass rush win rate is 56%. Next closest is 52%. It's a huge delta between one and number two. And what that means is if you're going to take the air, like if, if a team has a star pass rush, you're facing the Browns, they got Miles Garrett. Okay, well, we can deal with Miles Garrett with an extra body or two, right? We can deal with Miles Garrett with a slide. When you're dealing with this, a, a fundamental everybody wins line, right? 2017 Eagles, 2022 Cowboys, everybody can go. That's where your screen game is important. Your draw game is important. They haven't been a really big quarterback draw mm. team this year. We saw the Cardinals get that successful against the Eagles there late in the third quarter. This feels like a great team, a great game for four open draw, right? But again, the Cowboys run games. And so you need the all four dudes coming upfield for a draw to work. If somebody's looping, you're going to run the draw into the loop. So it's something to be aware of. Um, but your screen game, your draw game, your RPO game is going to be important, right? Okay, if Micah Parsons is really hard to block, unblock him. Read option, RPO. Yeah. Don't try. Put him in space and make him wrong, right? And now you're just saying, hey, like you're a very, very good player, but no matter what you do, we have an answer. We can hand it off. Quarterback can run it. We can throw it. We're just not going to block you, and we're going to make you an unimpact player in that regard. Although he's like the rare athlete on those Rita, I feel like he can play, you know, he can kind of halfway it and still be right yes. because he's so explosive. So that will be something definitely to watch. Yes. You want to RPO him, right? Like, you know, unblock him on yeah. zone read and then throw the, the the glance behind it. You don't want to read option him because Hertz, who's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful runner, is not actually that fast on a straight line right? He's more of like a truck, right? Like he kept a read option that he should have given, by the way, on the the, the drive to kick the field goal to, to take the lead late. And Isaiah Simmons chased him down. And Isaiah Simmons is in theory, a lot of what Michael Parsons is in the sense of like big dude, but he can go on a line, right? He can accelerate and catch up to a guy. Uh, and so you don't really want Hertz versus Par- Parsons in space. You don't want to be zone read so much as you want to be uh, RPO stuff. You can also do trick your stuff in your zone read to be okay with that. You can do like power read stuff and like archetype end and like actually get a block run. Yeah. But basically like you just want to say like, hey, if you're really good at disrupting the run, you're really good at penetrating, we're just not going to block you with the tackle. We're going to throw something else at you and make you think, make you slow your feet. Uh, so I expect that to do that with do that with Parsons. But again, they move Parsons around because he's actually a linebacker. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard to key the offense off the guy when all of a sudden he's just like standing up over the A-gap. Okay, well, that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? We can't, we can't do what we wanted to do to him when he's there. So the Cowboys present a lot of issues because of the, the multifariousness of that front, the way they move dudes around. You said Trevon Diggs is a good corner. He got a lot of picks. You know what I'm saying? This, this, 
bit of a broken record here, but this is your AJ Brown game, right? Is we kind of said this against the Cardinals, ended up not being the case because they threw so many screens and they just took advantage of the cushion. But if you're going to face a team that on late downs wants to man you up, you every single week look at AJ Brown against the opposing corner and say, do we like our luck? And again, Brown against Diggs, you like your luck. Brown is a, I want to be physical at the catch point. I want to be bigger than the receiver I'm facing. I want to take risks. And Brown is a tough receiver to do that against because he's a no-nonsense route runner. He's going to win at the break because he's so big. And he's going to win at the catch point too. Like It's not as easy for Diggs to bully him at the catch point like he does for like Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? Like Brown just has so much size on him. Hurts got to be on time. The ball's got to come out to Brown. It's got to be well-located because Diggs will undercut stuff. He'll jump stuff. Like The, the two yeah. picks that Hurts has tried to throw the last two weeks, right? the one against the Jaguars, the tip drill, and then the one against the Cardinals that was dropped was a similar route over the middle where he's late. And we have seen Diggs on that exact route against Keenan Allen, 2021 Chargers, have a pass breakup because he just got underneath it. And if you throw that on time, he's not going to have enough time to get underneath that route and get back into phase. If you throw it late, which is what Hurts has been doing, Diggs is there. So you can take advantage of a player like Diggs. You can, you, with, with Dallas' secondary being Diggs, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, like the Eagles do have advantages with Devontae and Asia Brown. Ball's got to be out and ball's got to be on time. So important game for Hurts as a thrower to look as he did like against the Vikings and against Washington. Take advantage of when you get your one-on-ones and, and your, your isolated matchups. Number six, we flip it. Cowboys offense against the Eagles defense. What are we watching for there? I can start us off here. Uh, I just think the you know the numbers the last four weeks with Cooper Rush, like Cooper Rush is not the reason they're winning these games. He's yes. doing great for a backup. You don't want him to lose the game, but they're very much coaching so that he doesn't lose them the game. I think there's something like 28th in you know neutral pass rate on early downs with Cooper Rush. They're 18th in EPA per drive. They're 26th in success rate. If you look at their game last week, They had 14 first downs against the Rams. Cooper Rush threw for just 102 yards. So they they do not want to put the game in his hands. Now, he had a nice throw on the right side. Michael Gallup had a great catch uh, in that game in a key play. So he's been coming through in those spots, but they do not want to put the game on his shoulders. One other thing I thought was interesting, Cooper Rush with play action, and these are all small samples because he's only played four games completing 70% of his passes and averaging 9.4 yards per attempt. Without play action, 58% completions, 6.2 yards per attempt. He essentially goes from like what would be the best passer in the NFL to the worst passer in the NFL. And that's got me a little concerned because I thought there were situations in that game against the Cardinals where they bit a little bit and left those voids behind them from the linebackers to the next level of the defense. And if I'm the Cowboys, I'm coming out and I'm using play action on early downs when Jordan Davis is in the game. Because if Jordan Davis is in there and you know that you you know what coverage is probably you're going to get, you might get a Reddick or a Sweat dropping into coverage if it's a pass play. So I am interested to see if the Cowboys get a little bit more aggressive on early downs using that play action yeah this this is a game that is won and lost on first down for the eagles defense because the uh uh rush right now in terms of early downs first and second down when he attempts to pass 43.5 percent of the time it's play action you brought up the, the efficiency numbers he's been great over 10 yards per attempt on on first and second down so when play action is stronger right when you're in that early down sort of a look yeah uh, you, the run is a more legitimate threat as opposed to like third and five. You're probably not going to run it. Uh, so 43.5% of his attempts on early downs, play action over 10 yards per attempt. He's completing over 70% of his passes. This is, this is good stuff. If you can get, you know, okay, you're, you're first and 10, you're worried about the run. You're going to be in your, in your five down looks. That's what the Eagles have been on first and 10 all season long. Great. You're going to be there. Okay, number one, stop the run. Because if they're getting to second and fives, they're where they want to be. They're going to get you on the play action. Number one, stop the run. Very big game for your Hargrave, Davis, Fletch interior. It's a uh, banged up Cowboys offensive line, but still a pretty solid offensive line. They're well coached. They know how to move the ball. The tight ends block well. Win your front. And then number two, when you get into your play action game, linebackers are going to bite. You know, safety is going to come up, whatever. But you got CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, and you got James Radbury and, and Darius Slay. It's the, the strength for strength with the Eagles offensive line versus the Cowboys defensive line is awesome. But the next most important strength for strength here is, is this Cowboys wide receiver room now healthier, now where it wants to be going up against the Eagles corners. The best way to be play action, to not get beat by play action as a defense is play man. Don't worry about it. If we man you up, 
we're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to run your crossers and we're, we're not going to be able to fill the windows as much, but we'll be okay. The Eagles have really wanted to be a zone team the last few weeks. They they had that wonderful, wonderful game against man with man coverage against Justin Jefferson where they they knew that's how they wanted to be. And then since then, they've kind of been like, yeah, we're, we're a zone team. You know, we don't... Avante Maddox isn't out here. We're Josiah Scott. We're back to being mm-hmm. quarters now. And it's like, okay. That is begging for early down play action to hurt you. That's like, you know, you're going to give eight yards off the ball to CeeDee Lamb and just let him run slants out of the slot all game. Like, you know, when you're putting the ball in the belly of, of Ezekiel Elliott for a half second, it's pulling TJ up, pulling Kaiser up. Kaiser loves play action. Kaiser's always positive. It's a run. Kaiser's very, very big on it's a run. It's never play action. It's going to be a long day for you. You're going to let the Cowboys get to their layups. So it's an important game for man coverage, an important game for the five down front. The nice thing is that goes hand in hand. When they're in the five down, they're, they're more likely to be running man coverage just because of, of of how they're they're fitting the run with the safeties when they're in that look. So it's five down cover one, cover one with with the robber in the hole, just nice and simple. And then be better than the opposing team. Be better than Cooper rush. Like you have the talent on defense. You have the investment should be nice and simple. It's not a good offense. You you get the Cowboys behind the sticks. They are in trouble. Yeah. We'll see. Cause, cause Gannon has had the option to be that defense and elected to be otherwise across the course of this season and going back to last season. If they do so, Number one, I think Zeke's going to get him. Zeke's good, still good back, right? Pollard, when he rotates in, I think they're going to lose to the running game. And then you're going to start to get itchy at the second level, dealing with play action. And that's where the big shots might come. So if you keep them a running team and a quick passing team, and you're winning at the line of scrimmage, the front with, with man coverage, you're, the Cowboys are going to score 16. You feel good about your offense's ability to win this game. If you elect to be in a soft cover world and you let this running game get going, you've just invited a football game into the building. Don't need to do that. Just be be good from snap one. Yeah, I agree. This maybe more so than any game this season feels like one where plan A should be to play man. You should have an advantage against those wide receivers with this specific quarterback. Make him hold the ball a little bit if he doesn't see anybody open. If he's just saying, hey, I'm not going to hold the ball. I'm going to just get rid of it and take my shots one-on-one like Joe Burrow. All right, let's see. I mean, I I would rather adjust from that than adjust to that in this game. We will see if Johnny Gans feels the same. All right, question number seven. What are we talking about Sunday night if the Eagles win? What are we talking about Sunday night if the Eagles lose? What do you got? Win, good Jalen Hurts game. I think that, that, that'll that always be the narrative off of a win, but especially true against the Cowboys, where I think he's got to throw the ball really well. Uh, scrambles are going to be there. The running game is going to be there. But I think that eventually Dallas is going to get you a spot where you have to be able to get some A.J. Brown looks. You have to be able to get some Devontae looks down the field, too. You can't get away with this under the under. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage nonsense. This secondary tackles really, really, really well. Uh, so I, I, you got to be throwing the ball down the field. So number one, I think like kind of bounce back Jalen Hurts game, bounce back offensive game, just a re a correction of the vibes off of kind of like a sleepy game against Arizona. So that's what you're talking about if you win. If you lose, I think it's Vibes check, by the way. There you go. Ringer podcast yeah. vibes check right there. That's, Mark what, that's it down. what we do, baby. The, the, the youth, <laughs> we check vibes. On a loss, it's a Gannon conversation. There is no mm-hmm. way, like, like, like I, I don't see the Eagles losing this game 13 to 10. That would shock me. The offense is just too good. Hertz is just too, too much of a problem solver with the scrambling ability and the out of pocket ability. So to me, the only game they lose is like, you know, 21, 24, 24, 26, something in that range. And then like, even just saying that, I'm like, how do we possibly give up 20 plus points to this offense? It's not, it is not a good offense right now. Rush mm-hmm. is too limited of a passer. They can't hit downfield outside of the numbers. Their quick game is like just fine enough, but like Rush is accurate, but not that accurate. So the yak isn't as good. Like this is not a good offense. So if they're giving up points to this group, that's that 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 that's a big Jonathan Gannon check for for uh, for Ben and Shield. It's going to be a, a hot post game pod. <laughs> All right, I've got if they win, maybe maybe Hurts generates some MVP buzz. I mean, this Cowboys defense has shut down uh, a lot of offenses so far. Right now, he's fourth in MVP odds behind Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Lamar. Where probably you know Allen, Mahomes, however that game goes, it's going to be hard to go against them. But hey, someone might have the take on Sunday night. You're playing in front of a national audience. There will be opportunities for big plays against these corners, as we outlined. So if he just kind of goes off and you crush the Cowboys and Jalen Hurts is you know scoring four touchdowns or something, then I think that will, you know, could potentially be the story. If they lose, I think we're talking about, uh, in addition to what you said about Johnny Gans, uh, I think we're talking about negative plays for this offense, which they've really done a good job avoiding. Yeah. You know, key sacks, key fumbles, 
key interceptions, just turning the football over. Micah Parsons changing the game. Demarcus Lawrence changing the game. Maybe Trayvon Diggs has a pick six. All those things. Because I'm kind of with you. I feel like if the Eagles get you know 11 possessions, they're going to have four or five minimum where they're moving the ball into scoring range. But what happens on those other six? Are those three and outs where you punt? Or are those, man, we gave the, uh, the Cowboys offense the ball in the red zone right off the bat with a, a turnover. So that's kind of how I see it with the win or lose. All right, question number eight. Cliff, let us go to the voicemail uh, I was line. thinking Kingsbury for a second. I was like, we're not done with the Cardinals? Oh. We're back on them? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Wrong no Cliff, more wrong Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury talk for all. I said enough about Cliff Kingsbury five weeks through the season. Let's go to the voicemail line and see what we got this week. Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. What's going on, guys? David here from Delco. Big fan. Go Birds. 5-0. and How about that? How about it? All right. Huge fan of you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Listen, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I've seen amazing regular season teams in the past. We've all seen the national ESPN, NFL Network media hyping these teams up. Uh, and, you know, they tend to be wrong about the Eagles over history regardless. Uh, I'm kind of feeling a little worried. I feel like ever since we've been winning these games, you know, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, I've been saying – I feel like a two, three game losing streak and a national media jumping off the bandwagon kind of rant on first take is imminent. And now it's getting to be a little later than I expected. We're five and oh, you know, power rankings are putting us at, you know, one, two, maybe three. And I'm a little worried. So my question is, what do you guys feel about the general hype not having been expected, uh, this from previous um, off-seasons in the past, and do you think it's going to help us or hurt us moving forward? Go Birds. Thank you, David from Delco. Uh, You know, I think that this where Jalen Hurts probably kind of sets the tone there, so I think that's good. I'm certainly not worried. I mean, if they lose three in a row at any point the rest of the season, I would be really surprised with their schedule. So I don't think mm-hmm. it's a it's a big deal specifically for this game. It's the Cowboys. You're getting up for this game. There's a lot on the line. If you lose this game, all of a sudden you're both t- tied at five and one. If the Giants win, you could have a three-way tie at five and one. So the division is better than expected. And I'm not worried about the hype getting to the players uh, in the building. Maybe after this game, it would be something you worry about if you blow them out, but not going into this game. Yeah, Jalen Hurts doesn't like to hear 5-0. and Don't like to hear it, <laughs> which is such a funny thing because like, as those clips are going up of him on the field, like, I don't like to hear 5-0. and There's clips of like Chauncey Garner-Johnson and Hassan Reddick being tweeted from the Eagles main account running in the locker room like, five wins, baby! And it's like, all right, you guys got to get on the same page with your messaging. Uh, it is always important to me that a team with like long playoff aspirations is tested. You have to be down in the chips. You'd have to lose a game. Like being, uh, being undefeated sucks. It just hangs on you. And there's no, no two ways around it. Uh, I think the Eagles are legitimately good. Like I said, I think there's more shoes coming to drop, but I also do believe in like Nick Sirianni writ large, kind of being able to figure stuff out as the season goes along. Uh, and so I don't think the Eagles are like the second best team in the league. I, I think like the bills are better. I think the chiefs are better. Like, I, you know, Maybe I think they're the third best team in the league, but nobody else is popping to mind. I, I, I do think that that power rankings that put them at like one or two are probably a little bit overstated. With that said, you know, that's what power rankings and what do you say? The ESPN and NFL media somehow as if we're not, include, you know, at that level. Yeah, yeah. that's no, what they're going to do. I saw you. You were a little offended, uh, you know, Dave from Delco. No, Ben's a little offended. No, no, and yeah. Don't listen to, listen to us. <laughs> we're, we know what we're talking about. I don't need to listen to them. Um that's what they're going to do. They're going to put them up there because they've won five games, and that's going to be an interesting conversation. It's going to lead to Philly fans talking about it, and that's all right. You know what I'm saying? The, I, I have faith in the way Sirianni and Hurts kind of go about business, that they're they're going to have their heads screwed on straight more games than not. Yeah, the hype is warranted. I mean, listen, they're 5-0. and They're the only undefeated team in the NFL. The advanced, it's not like they're winning a bunch of one-point games. They've played really well through five games. They're a really talented team. They're a well-coached team, and they have an easy schedule. So uh, the hype is warranted. Maybe it'll bite them at some point in this week, but not yet. All right, let's close it out. Question number nine. Uh, let's see, I was debating between a couple life questions here for you, but I just saw you yawn, so I'm going to go with that one. You are a self-described big tea guy, I believe, right? Yeah. You love a tea, love tea. 
But you also drink a coffee, not just a tea, correct? Yes. I need your, uh, what are your top, you know, I've, I've tried to dabble in like an afternoon tea, an evening tea at times. Uh, it's never you. become yeah. part of my routine. I drink, you know, a big coffee in the morning, then around one to two o'clock, I usually have a little espresso or maybe uh, something else. I did just have this cold tea here, by the way, which was uh, delicious. No sugar. Don't worry if you're worried about my health. I don't, I don't do the uh, sugar. I'm an old man. But what are your like, what, what are your top three teas that the Capadias should try out? My wife said when she was at Trader Joe's, she was looking for your cheeses. They didn't have the one you recommended, but uh, don't oh, worry, we're still doing that. that's very sweet. Yeah. yeah, we'll keep okay. that on the radar. Okay, so if you're at Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's got a, a good chamomile <laughs> tea. It's a little yellow okay. striped box. That's a pretty good one. Uh, the uh, So that's that's one of my favorite. Now, Trader does that Joe's have one. caffeine or no? Do you go caffeine? No, you, do, get caffeine free caffeine? On, uh, you get caffeine free on the chamomile, no problem. Uh, but what if I want caffeine? Does so it if have you want caffeine, caffeine, you can get like caffeinated black tea at Trader Joe's. They're okay. Their their black tea is fine. Uh, okay. The best black tea caffeinated is is the brand called uh, uh, Twinnings or Twillings. That's yes, Twinnings. Uh, oh. Twinnings black tea. I think I think it's a black. I think it's a. It might be a gray tea, but I'm pretty sure it's a black tea. Uh, okay. This stuff's incredible, man. Holy smokes, it's so good. And it's funny because like so like as I alluded to earlier, I grew up in a Russian family, and so everybody drinks tea, right? You get tra- tea, milk and mil- uh, milk and sugar. That's just the way you do it. Chai, very important. Um, but also because we were just like peasants, like, you know, you just buy like the cheap, like my grandma bought, used to buy like uh, 440 bag boxes of tea off of Amazon. Mm. She had like nine of them in her house. Uh, and then we yeah. would joke, you'd come Stock home up. and you'd go visit her, a cup and saucer would have like six tea bags in it. Cause she would make her first tea of the day with like two tea bags. And then she'd just keep on putting new tea bags in old tea water, more tea water. Just like, there's no refinement. This is just, just, we got to get the volume in. So that's what I grew up on. And then I had this Twinnings, John, and it's like, you know, it's like $6. And I'm like, this is too much for tea. And then I had, it. this is insane. This is so good. So flavorful, so much better. So Twinnings black tea is very, very good. Um, and then Bigelow, you never go wrong with a Bigelow tea. Bigelow is a very strong band. If you're going green tea, the Bigelow green tea classic is very good. Bigelow vanilla chai, also incredibly tasty tea. Wow. We, both of those are caffeinated as well. This has been tea with Ben Solak. Now, are you real quick? So how now? Uh, we usually I usually put in two tea bags into the tea. Now, are you putting in how many tea bags? And you're also, putting two are tea bags you... into like just like a usual regular twelve ounce cup. Yeah, I mean Indians, where we need that thing strong, you know. All right, okay. do a one. But then, are you putting in a lemon? Are you putting in a honey? Are you doing the milk and sugar like you mentioned? What What are you putting so, in those bad boys? Uh, like chamomile green tea is uh, is always like lemon and honey, probably more usually honey, but like lemon's very good, especially if you're worried about your throat, which we're getting to the cold season of podcasting, so yeah. it's time for lemon and honey and tea. Um, for any black tea, it's milk and sugar. You drink black tea. With like my, my wife puts honey in black tea, drives me up the wall. This 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 is this is the like what I was raised on. But a black tea, you get milk and sugar. You want a light and sweet. That's the way you go for it. And that that to me that line is unflinchingly rigid. That does not move. See, the only time I have a milk nowadays is when my mom makes a little masala cha for me. Otherwise, I don't like to do the milk. And uh, the sugar, I'm with, I'm with your wife. You know, the honey, it's a it's a little better for you. You know, clear. You ever up had honey things. and black I like coffee? Cut down on the sugar. Uh, no, I just drink black coffee, black. Honey, I, I like black coffee too. It's, it's okay. a good, good yeah. coffee. Okay. But you put some honey and some black coffee, it's super tasty. 10 out of 10 would okay. recommend. All right. Uh, chime in on how you feel about Ben's uh, tea talk. I thought that was pretty good. All right, let's finish it out. I know you got to run here. Let's get to the game prediction. I'm going to start us off. Eagles are undefeated. Eagles are at home. It's still Cooper freaking Rush playing quarterback for the other team. The line is up to the line is six. The line is Healthy. six. I thought the I thought that was a big big Healthy. line. <laughs> I think there's a scenario where the Eagles blow them out. Honestly, where it's just a party at the link and everyone's making Super Bowl plans, and you're like, you know, one of those classic Cowboys games that we started the show with, where you're just like, oh my gosh, they crushed those fools. This is beautiful. I don't truly to fully trust their defense. And I do like the Cowboys defense. I think they're legit. So I'm going to thread the needle a little bit. I've got the Eagles winning, but not covering Eagles 23, Cowboys 20. What do you got? I have Eagles 24, Cowboys 12. I think they win the cover. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I think the energy of the building is going to be awesome. Number one. Number two, I think that the Cardinals game being 
you know, win, tough win, whatever. But like, certainly, I think a little bit of a disappointment, a little bit of stress. Like, they're kind of the first time they got blood drawn on them is going to wake them up a little bit. I think there's a little bit of smelling salt, especially with some of the second half stuff. Now they tend to get a little bit sleepy scoring in the second, in the third, fourth quarter. So there's that. And then the third thing I think is uh, looking into the bye week, getting a one loss Dallas team, being undefeated. I think that there is a very real, like, statement aspect to this game uh a lot of like some of the power rankings that like gamblers use and, what, and, and that i've seen over the course of last week like have the eagles having faced the 32nd toughest schedule in terms of defenses so far this year mm, i think there's i like obviously like they believe in themselves and whatever but i think there's still enough of like a we have something to prove ism left in this building that i expect a little bit of a statement game on both sides of the ball especially defensively uh i, I think that th- in the building on Wednesday, they're watching this film of this rush offense going. They really haven't lost. They haven't lost. They're four and up with this guy. Like I think there's a, there's going to be a semblance of like, no, 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 no. Like they they are not us. We have won our last four. They won our last four. This is not correct. You know, there, there's 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 going to be a frustration there. So I'm expecting high energy, especially because it's in the link. If this were in Dallas, I'd be worried. Uh, that front's going to get theirs. So long as Hertz doesn't fumble the ball in the pocket, is able to stay away from turnovers. I think the Eagles can control this game four quarters, 24 to 12. I like it. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't feel that strongly about it. All right. Keep the reviews coming. We appreciate those. Thanks to everyone who's been tuning in to Philly's postgame pods. We still haven't done a rigorous Philly special where the Philadelphia team lost. Now, maybe I just jinxed that and the Phillies will lose by the time you get to that. But we're going to do a Philly's postgame pod anyway. Uh, and you that will be in your feed. The feed is on fire right now. Benny Souls and I will be back late Sunday night. A late one. I love it. To recap, Eagles, Cowboys, thanks once again, and we will talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.